Well, we are kicking off our Easter series here. And so we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about parts of the Easter series. And I thought what, one of the great things we can do with that is not only we can hear God's Word, we can read God's Word, but we can watch God's Word. So over the next four weeks, we're actually going to be watching clips from a movie called Son of God. Uh, it was from the same Bible miniseries that came out a little while back. Um, and so today, and so each of the four weeks, we're going to watch some clips of that because I th they do a wonderful job representing, I think, pretty faithfully the Bible story. And so today we're going to, we're talking about Jesus' arrest, and I'll tell you more about that, okay? And, but, so we're going to watch a clip. It's nine minutes long, so we can kind of sit back and relax and watch our little mini movie here at church, but it's a great representation of the arrest of Jesus. Now, it's tough to pick up a movie halfway through. So, so you'll see some characters, and I'll just give you a quick rundown on some of the people you'll see. You'll see a high priest. You'll very quickly see a Jewish high priest. You'll tell who's in charge there. Okay, but then you'll also see a Roman head honcho. He's even above the high priest. And then you'll see some soldiers. You'll see a disciple, a follower of Jesus named Judas. You'll see him, and then, of course, you'll see Jesus. So those are a few of the people. I figure you'll, you're, you look like a smart crowd. You'll be able to catch on. So here we go. Sit back, relax, and let's watch a little bit, a little bit from the movie Son of God. And that is how one of the greatest crime dramas in history began with the arrest of Jesus. So welcome to Jerusalem Crime Story. As you can tell, we are amid the crime scene. We've got our wall of suspects over here. We've got our map of Jerusalem over here and all the evidence boxes. And here's O.J. Simpson's knife. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> but so welcome to Jerusalem crime story. Was Jesus innocent or guilty? So I actually want to start with that question. So I want you to pull out your phones. We're going to do a little texting poll here. Okay. I'm going to let you guys vote to whether you believe that Jesus was innocent or guilty. So here, let, let's pull up this te our texting poll here. Okay, so I want you to start a new text message. Start a new text message. Let's see if we can get, get this guy running here. Um, and so that's the question. Was Jesus innocent? Okay, or perhaps it's not going to work this morning. Okay, let's just skip over that. We're going to do it old-fashioned analog way. Ready? We're going to just have it raise our hands, and I'll do, it, I'll do a rough count here. Yep, so we can, we can ditch the phones. Oh, well, for the best of tech here. So here we go. Was Jesus innocent or guilty? Those who say Jesus was innocent, raise your hand. Okay? Okay, a, a, a pretty strong majority. Those people who say Jesus was guilty, raise your hand. Okay, okay, a handful of guilty votes. There we go, okay. That's a really fascinating question. Over the next four weeks, we're going to look at that question more and more. Okay? So just hold that in the back of your mind. Because as you're going to find out, it's not quite as simple of a question as it might seem. So there's, there's something really gripping about a juicy crime drama. I don't know if, if any of you are fans of any of them going around these days, like Serial. Any of you listen to the Serial podcast? They're up on season two now. Okay, there's the Serial podcast. That's the one that kind of started it all. And that, or there's Making a Murder. Any Netflix Making a Murder fans? You guys are just glued and you're reading up on that. Okay. Or how about the latest one, People versus O.J. Simpson? The one that's a huge hit on X, FX right now. 
uh, but crime dramas, okay? that they're fascinating and they're intriguing. Um, and the story of Jesus, the Easter story, I firmly believe, is one of the great crime dramas. I mean, it's got everything. It's got betrayal, conspiracies, crooked politicians, violence, all angry mobs, all kinds of great stuff that make for wonderful crime dramas. And, and so th for the next four weeks, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Jerusalem crime story. We're gonna, and we're going to focus on four events. The arrest, the trial, the execution, and the twist ending that nobody expected. So that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks. Um, and, and, and I like mysteries and crime dramas and all of that. So, so that's kind of the angle that we're going to take. I'm going to help you. Hopefully, if you've been around church a long time, you've probably heard the Easter story a lot. So I'm going to hopefully give it a new twist. And if you haven't been around church for a while, and some of this is kind of fuzzy from your youth days or your Sunday school days, hopefully we can, we can tell you this amazing story, fresh and new. So we're going to start, we're going to start with the arrest of Jesus. And today we're going to, we're going to start with talking about fear. Because as you can tell from the, the movie clip, that there's a lot of fear it, surrounding the arrest of Jesus. It was filled with fear because every good drama has fear in it. So for me, I, I, I was, as I was thinking about fear, I, I remembered a dinner party I went to with a bunch of Hmong friends of mine. This was, it was a number of years ago, and we ate dinner, and then we were all sitting around. So, of course, all the guys were on one side of the room. All the ladies were over there. And, and, and so all, all the guys started talking about, well, what, it was still kind of early. What do you want to do? And so one, one of the guys threw out the idea of going to a strip club. And some of the guys liked the idea. Some of the guys were just kind of ambivalent. And one guy, so a couple of them would be like, yeah, let's do that. Okay, let, let's go. It's still early. Let's go. And one guy was like, no, man, I don't want to do that. Let's, let's not. And it was amazing. Like the three guys who really, who really clearly wanted to go to the strip club just turned on this guy and started, started really kind of bashing on him, saying, come on, who wears the pants in your family? You're going to let your wife make your decisions for you? And they were really giving him a hard time. And I just kind of kept my mouth shut. I only knew a few of the folks. I was the only white guy in the house at the time. And so I'm like, okay, let's, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. Because the way they just attacked this one guy who didn't want to go, what if they turn on me? And I don't even know these guys. Because I, I didn't want to go. Because inside, I was thinking, are you kidding me? Our wives are right there. And you're talking about wanting to go to a strip club? First, how stupid are you, okay? And how unloving are you? I was like, but that was all my internal dialogue. Outside, I didn't say a thing because I was afraid. I didn't know what these guys were like. I didn't want them to lash out at me like they lashed out at this other guy. So I was afraid, and I didn't say anything. Well, thankfully, we, nobody ended up going to the strip club that night. Um, but I remember that moment of being afraid, of what people would say, what people would do. So have you ever had that experience? Have you ever had one of those moments where you're afraid and you keep your mouth shut? You're afraid of what people might say to you. They're afraid of what people might think of you if you say what's really on your mind. Maybe you want to stand up for something, but you don't. 
Maybe you want to speak out against something, but you don't because you're afraid. You're afraid what the repercussions might be. So maybe, maybe for you, your friends don't really know that you're a Christian. Maybe they're the ones, maybe you post a picture from church and they're the ones who comment and be like, I didn't know you went to church. Because maybe, maybe you're afraid, you're not quite sure how they'll take it. Or maybe you have a certain view. Maybe you oppose gay marriage and you don't want to tell your friends. Or maybe you support gay marriage and you don't want to tell your friends because you're afraid of what they're going to say to you. Or maybe, maybe you support Trump and you're not about to put that on Facebook because you're just going to get attacked. Maybe you support Trump, but you're terrified to say anything because everything seems to be going against Trump. Okay? I think it's a fairly common experience for us where we bite our tongue and we don't say anything because we're afraid. Okay? So when was the last time you were afraid and you didn't say something? You really wanted to, but you just chickened out. When was that last time? I want you to kind of think about that. Think back a little bit. What was that like? Was it with coworkers? your family, your friends? What was that moment like? And what was that fear like? Because, you know, there is a lot of fear in the, in the Easter story, particularly in the arrest of Jesus, was filled with fear. And so that's what we're going to look at today, is, is particularly the arrest and all that fear in it. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at the book of Mark. And we're going to stay in the book of Mark. All the Gospels give the Easter story. Each of the authors gives it a little bit of a twist. Each of them includes some things, and they choose not to include other things. So rather than jumping around, we're going to just stay in one book, which means it's going to include some of the stuff, for instance, that you see up on the screen, you watching the movie, but it's not going to include some of the stuff. And some of the stuff you might remember from the Easter story might not be there. And believe it or not, you might even hear some stories that you haven't heard before. So we're going to stick with the book of Mark. And we're going to cover th about three chapters over the next four weeks. Not all of it, but select portions. Okay? So hopefully that sounds, that sounds exciting to you. And, and, and we're going to move through this because this is an action-packed set of chapters. Things move fast in Mark. And for any of you who have been in our life groups, we've been studying the book of Mark, and you've seen that, man. That actually, it is a fast book. And these last few chapters are really fast as well. Okay? So that's what we're going to look on here. Okay? So we're going to start in chapter 14. Now, the thing to understand at this point, in less than 24 hours, Jesus would be dead. That's how fast this all happened. In less than 24 hours... Jesus would be dead. So this is Thursday. You can kind of think of it if this is Thursday, the Jesus' execution, the crucifixion, happened on Friday. So less than 24 hours. That's where we are right now. That's where we are in the timeline of events. We're going to see some of these guys in, tonight, in today's story. We're going to hit some of these locations in today's story. And then we're going to hit more and more as the weeks go on. Okay, so, so first thing to understand as we pick up with Mark 14 is that, that the religious leaders, they had actually been out to kill Jesus for almost two years now. 
This isn't a new thing. So like, like when you saw Pilate and the soldier, Pilate trying to figure out how to kill Jesus, that's not new. In fact, we could go all the way back to Mark 3 and see that the religious leaders were trying to figure out a way to kill Jesus because he was a threat. He was a threat to the established religion. He was a, he was a threat to the peace, the, the, very, the very touch and go peace that, that the Jews had with the Romans who kind of, they ruled them, they, they, they occupied the Jewish territory, the Romans did. Um, so Mark actually mentions it three times prior to chapter 14. Three times it says the religious leaders were trying to figure out how to kill Jesus. Well, they finally figured out a way. And that was through Judas, one of the disciples. We're going to meet him in just a moment. Okay, so let's pick up the story from there. We're going to talk Mark 14. We're going to hit a couple verses, a couple more verses, and then we're going to hit the, the larger passage. So we're going to mark, start with 14, verse 1. Uh, oh, and one more word on Passover. So Passover was the Jews' largest, most important festival. That's kind of what you need to know about it for right now. It was huge. It was Donald Trump huge. That's how big Passover was. Okay, so here we go. Now the Passover and the festival of unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or the people may riot. Okay, so the religious leaders were afraid of the people because the Jews had a history of rioting against the Romans. Okay? In fact, we, we saw one of them up there. That, that was a, a riot that, that was instigated by a guy we're going to meet in a couple more weeks. And there were, there were a number of riots that the Jews had, and the Romans just crushed them, like slaughtered anybody involved. The Romans had no, no patience for riots in Jerusalem. And they were afraid. Okay? And Pontius Pilate, kind of the head honcho, okay? right up there, Pilate, he was sort of the, head, the Roman head honcho of the region. And, and he was especially afraid of, the, of riots because he had actually had problems at his previous post. He got fired from his previous job, kind of ruling a, a, a region, because there were riots. And so, so Rome actually sent him to basically the armpit of the country, which was Jerusalem. And he knew, Pilate knew, if there was going to be another riot, he would probably get, lose his job. And in the Roman world, when you get fired, you don't get, like, unemployment benefits. You get killed. So Pilate was terrified. And we're, we're, going, to run, we're going to meet Pilate a lot uh, next week, okay? So the religious leaders were afraid of the people. Because if the people rioted, the Romans would step in, slaughter a bunch of people, shut down the temple, and it would, it would be really bad, okay? So the people, because so Jesus had a lot of followers at this point. He had a lot of followers. A lot of people believed he was the one to free them from Roman occupation, to free them from Roman slavery. So we're like, okay, so they said, we've got to end this. We've got to end this now. So, let, we're going to jump ahead a few verses to verse 10. 
Mark 14, 10 through 11. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, and those are the disciples, the twelve disciples, went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. So he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. So now we're, interest, we're introduced to Judas, the disciple. Now, it's really easy to, to make Judas out to be the bad guy. It's really easy. But I don't think Mark allows us to do that. Because when we read this story, there's nothing saying Judas was the bad guy all along. You know what Judas was? He was one of tw- Jesus' 12 most trusted followers. He was a person who just spent the last three years with Jesus, following him everywhere, listening to all of his teachings, obeying his word. And we look at Judas, so it's easy to make Judas the other. But I don't think the Gospels, particularly Mark, allows us to do that. You know what we have to say? Judas could be any one of us. Could be any. Because if one of Jesus' 12 most trusted people could turn on him, who's to say we wouldn't? Who's to say we wouldn't? So we're introduced to Judas. um, And he chose to betray Jesus. And it is a tragic moment. The, 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 the arrest of Jesus is filled with tragic moments, and this is one of them. Okay? So now in between this, in between this mention of G- Judas, and then when Jesus actually gets arrested in a, a garden environment, okay, in between there, there are a couple scenes. So first, there, there, there are two big scenes, and I'm just going to mention them. We aren't going to read through. But one is what's commonly known as the Last Supper. It was one last meal that Jesus had with his 12 disciples. And he, Jesus laid two incredible bombshells at that Last Supper. First, he said, one of you is going to betray me. Can you imagine? All of his closest people standing, sitting around a table going, Oh, oh, wait, who's it going to, it's going to be you, it's going to be you. I mean, imagine, and, and Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me, okay? And then another thing he says, all of you are going to abandon me. Can you imagine that? I can imagine the disciples are going to and they even protest. They're like, never, we would never do it, we would die for you. But no, turns out, well, we'll see what happens in a moment, but so two big things happened at that, at that last supper. Okay? One other event that happened after that in Mark was Jesus went alone to pray. He, pr- he prayed in this garden, and he agonized over his prayers. He agonized over following God's will. It's a heart-wrenching scene of prayers of Jesus. Okay? And it's contrasted with Jesus agonizing over prayers and his disciples falling asleep on him. Rather than praying, his disciples fell asleep on him. And so at the end of those prayers, then, the, then that's kind of where you, you saw sort of the, the arrest picked up. So let's actually read that story. Let, let's see what that arrest is all about. So now we jump forward to verse 43. Okay. Still in Mark 14. Just as Jesus was speaking, Judas appeared. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. 
With him was a crowd armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders. So all of a sudden there's an angry mob that is armed. And I'm just picturing like Beauty and the Beast pitchforks and torches. You know that scene to let's kill the beast. Okay. But that's kind of what it was. (laughs) Torches, swords, and clubs. And that tells you a couple things. That that crowd, that, that angry mob, was about probably made up partly of soldiers because they had swords, but also probably some hired muscle they just got off the street because they just had clubs. So they get this giant mob to come arrest Jesus. Let's continue. Now the betrayer, referring to Jesus, Judas, had arranged a signal with him. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. Now, that was actually a fairly normal greeting. And if you've ever traveled over to Europe, a, a kiss on one or both cheeks is a very normal greeting. In the Middle East, it was very normal at that time, especially between a, a rabbi and disciple relationship. And this, this just reeks of tragedy. Imagine an act of warm greeting changed to a mark of death. A title, a respectful title of rabbi used by someone who was about to betray him. So this this was a tragic moment here filled with the right stuff like a kiss on the cheek and calling someone rabbi but led to an impending tragedy. Okay, let's keep going. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Okay, so think about that. One of the disciples was also armed. And in fact, early in the book, Jesus actually told his disciples to, to bring swords, to, to wear swords. That was actually not an uncommon thing at that time, especially during the, this Passover event when so many crowds. And so one of the guys pulls his sword and chops an ear off. Chops an ear off. This is a follower of Jesus. Gets into a sword fight. And then I can imagine Jesus stopping everything. And he says, am I leading a rebellion that you come to me with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Think about that. You saw me every day. Why the swords? You could have done this at any point. Why the clubs? I love that question. Am I leading a rebellion? Who do you really think I am? And that is actually the fundamental question of the Easter story. Who do you really think Jesus is? And that question is going to come up every week in every stage of this crime story. Because the question of who do you really think I am answers the question of do you believe Jesus was innocent or guilty? 
But here's, here's the interesting thing about that question is a lot of people actually believed Jesus was there to lead a rebellion. A lot of his followers wanted that. A lot of his followers wanted him to lead that riot, lead that rebellion, lead that uprising against the Romans. But it was clear from Jesus that is not what he was there for. Am I leading a rebellion? Fundamentally the question of who was Jesus. So now, now the saddest and the strangest moment in this whole story. Let's read. Then everyone deserted him and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. There was a naked dude running across the garden. <laughs> you don't see that in many Christmas Easter stories, do you? <laughs> Wee! <laughs> Think about that. There was a naked dude running across the garden. Now, now a, a little side note. That single story has baffled people for centuries. What is it doing there? Um, so there are all kinds of theories. One of the theories, the, the one theory I like the most, but, and one which I think is actually the, probably the, the, more, um, the more accurate one. So the one I like the most is some people actually believe that it was Mark, the author of this book. <laughs> because it's not included in anyone else's story. <laughs> he, he was like, they grabbed my shirt. I was, I was going commando. I slipped out of it and ran off. <laughs> Um, but I think more, the, the more likely explanation of that is it gave the picture of the panic of that moment. Can you feel the panic? That some guy would be so scared when people are wrestling and grabbing that he would wiggle himself out of his tunic and run off in his birthday suit. That's how scared they were. That's how much panic there was in that moment. Can you feel it? Can you feel the fear? And I think that fear led them to run away. That fear led them to abandon Jesus. And I think, I think this story should be a rather ominous warning to all of us. It should be a warning to all of us that if Jesus' closest followers, the ones who could sit with him, the ones who could talk to him, the ones who learned directly from him, if given the right fear, if they could abandon Jesus, if they could run away, who's to say we wouldn't? Who's to say that our faith is so strong that we would never do that? Really? I'm not sure I could say that. I'd like to think I'd never do that. But if the disciples could, could you? And I think this story gives us a very ominous answer. Yeah, so could I. If the right fear was there, and I think particularly with them, there was a particular, there was a specific fear. There was a fear of being associated with Jesus. Because there's a very important thing that this passage teaches us. 
The fear of being associated with Jesus leads to disassociating yourself from Jesus. Let me say that again. The fear of associating yourself with Jesus leads to disassociating yourself from Jesus. That's a scary truth that we have to own up to. That's a scary truth that should sit at least on the back of your minds and sit in your hearts to say that there is a reality here of how I, this question of how do I respond about my faith? Do I keep it a little secret? Do I keep it a little bit on the DL? Like, like I, I, I'd rather, I hear some people say, I'd rather people see my faith versus hear it from me. I'd rather live out being a Christian than say anything. And those are great thoughts. What we do should absolutely reflect Christ. But I think you have to be honest with yourself to say, is there a part of you that is afraid of being associated with Christ? Because when there's enough of that fear, it leads to a tragic ending. And my guess is, I know as talking with a lot of you, that a lot of you have grew, at least grew up in the church. You were maybe going to church as a youth way back in the day. And a lot of you decided to kind of take a break away from the church for a while. And those that stuck it out, those that kept on going, my guess is you had a lot of friends who just sort of stopped coming to church and stopped kind of caring about God and stopped even believing in God maybe. That can happen to the best of us. It could happen to me. And that's what this story tells us. It is a warning. It is a warning story, no doubt about it. That if Jesus' closest, if his best could do it, so could any of us. So I, I, I really wanted to spin this positively. I love positive sermons. And I really wanted to spin this positively. But you know what? The arrest of Jesus doesn't allow that. At this stage, there is no happy ending to this. So I actually resisted putting a positive spin on this. And instead, I want us all to own up that if Jesus' best could run away out of fear, so could any one of us, including me. And to be careful, because fear of being associated with Jesus leads to disassociating yourself from Jesus. And that's something that has present life consequences and eternal consequences. So be aware of what you fear and never be afraid to be associated with Jesus. Okay, now, now I'll, I'll kind of close with this. Now, this doesn't mean you got to wear the Jesus T-shirt and the cross necklace, put a fish on your car, and listen to Tim, uh, Chris Tomlin all day. Okay? That's not what this means. But if you're afraid to identify yourself as Christian or to express a respectful opinion, 
that comes out of your Christian faith, you might have some dangerous fear inside you. And I think we all need to watch out for that. Because again, fear of being associated with Jesus leads to disassociation from Jesus. And that's what happened to all of the disciples. And it's a tragic, tragic moment that it was hard to watch with them, hard to read, and it's even harder to see it when it's someone you love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I can't begin to understand why you chose this route for Jesus, but you did. Lord, you chose tragedy. God, I pray that that tragedy could never happen to any one of us, but I acknowledge that it could. So I humbly ask for your grace. I humbly ask for your strength. I humbly ask for your courage for myself and for every person here, Lord, that they never fear being associated with your name. Give them that confidence. Give them that belief. And for those, for those out here who not, might not know, might not be sure if they are associated with their name, if they do bear the name Christ follower, Lord, call them to you today. Call them to you to say, follow me. So in all of this, I pray in the name of Jesus, the arrested one. Amen.